Welcome to the Roll for Crit podcast. If you want to hear about board games, card games, RPGs, all sorts of tabletop games, you are in the right place for this week. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22 because it's our 22nd episode uh, of the Roll for Crit podcast here. My name is Jonathan. I'm Will. I, I don't believe there are any numbers above 20. No, it's That's... it's 24 <laughs> is the highest number. No, no, no. It's 20. If it's not on 20 side, die doesn't oh, exist. Oh, you have the, I see. You're, you're going with the theme of our show. Indeed. Uh, because just mm-hmm. like uh, our, our logo, we roll 20 side die before this podcast to see how well at least the two of us go on this. Yeah. And uh, I have multiple dice. And as I like to have Jonathan Bick one that way, I'm not fully at fault when the low number is rolled. It's a team so Jonathan, effort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One through three. What dice do you pick? Mm, all right. Well, I just pick one die. I just want to be clear. So about you're that. right. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I just, just want to be clear. I'm going to go with die number three. You have chosen the classic gray and white. Mm, classic. And it is rolled a 14. Oh, Not right. bad. Hey, a 14 is pretty good. I think what we need to start doing is adding uh, ability bonuses. We'll we, do that once we get every number. Maybe we can roll a character or something that might <laughs> that might help us out. Uh, so 14 is pretty good. So, I mean, I always am. But now even more so, I'm feeling confident about the rest of our show. And especially because guess what, folks? We have guests. That's right. Joining our party today, two guests from Cherry Picked Games, the studio behind uh, games like Conspire, Far Away, and the upcoming Hair of the Dog. Welcome to the show, creative director Alex Jarabek and visual designer Jules Najix. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we're, we're we're excited about about Cherry Pick Games in general, and we we talked about it a few episodes ago that we got to play with both of you and some other team members, the uh, aforementioned Hair of the Dog. Uh, and, but, but today we'll get to, we get to conversate, we get to just talk about board games and we'll also probably talk about hair of the dog too. <laughs> we'll get the chance to, for you to plug all, all your upcoming stuff too, which is going to be on Kickstarter soon, right? Yeah. Uh, hopefully at the end of the month, we actually just filmed the video for Kickstarter today. We took over a local brewery and filled it with dogs. Uh, it was a sight to be you know, seen. See everyone, there's still hope in this world. <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, that's so you've had a day of you've been dealing with a lot of stuff. Uh, dogs are very temperamental actors. Uh, <laughs> although Jules Ellie was wonderful. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have good, a corgi. Good. She can be pretty difficult to work with on camera, but she she did her best for us today. <laughs> She hit her marks. <laughs> Mostly. And of yeah. course. Uh, but did she get treats? So many. So, so <laughs> many. She had a very good day. <laughs> I'm glad we settled that. We're all going to need some treats at the end of this, at the end of this day, which by the way, we're recording this on labor day. So happy labor day uh, to anybody. It'll be belated by the time you hear this and also happy new year. Shana Tova to our Jewish listeners. Uh, we're actually recording a little earlier than, than usual because uh, I will be gone tomorrow because of the Jewish holiday of Rosh Hashanah. So there you go. There's your, there's your holiday cheer for, for this week. Anyway, we'll get now that that's out of the way, uh, we are going to get into the news stories as we like to do in our news roundup. News roundup. 
know, I, I put on a different type of headphones this week and all everything sounds a little louder and I've I've never heard our our bumpers that loud and clear before and I don't like it. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't like how it was so far. Uh, all right, so some some pretty big news stories this week. We have to lead off with this one, which involves the broken token and their CEO Greg Spence. If you didn't hear us talking about the story or you haven't heard about it anywhere else online, I'll briefly recap. But uh, a former employee of Broken Token, Ashley Taylor, came out with a statement uh, accusing the CEO, Greg Spence, of a series of sexual assaults, uh, sexual harassments, and just general harassment of her, and as well as others. And uh, Greg Spence had a response to this initially, but he has come out with a follow-up statement just more recently. And I will kind of summarize this statement as uh, impartially as I can before we can get into it and talk about our, our feelings about the, the fallout of this. But uh, he, he apologizes to Ashley Taylor and uh, says that he did engage, quote, in an improper but consensual relationship with her. And the ultimate actions that he's taken uh, following this is that he is stepping down as CEO. Uh, the broken token uh, CEO position is now going to be held by Kelsey Royer, uh, effective as just, uh, just a few days ago, uh, although he is still attached to the company, presumably, in some regard. He is not completely leaving his position, but he will no longer be the CEO. Uh, he has also laid off uh, a number of employees, although there's not really a direct link drawn he i don't he doesn't exactly say why uh, we can talk about maybe uh conclusions we're drawing from that but they've they've gone from 23 staff members down to 10 uh so that's that's kind of the big the big news that's the big highlight of this statement that he's made uh why don't we start with you jules uh, what what's what's your takeaway of this from this statement do you think that this is uh, a step in the right direction is this strong enough for you i mean there's, there's a, this was a really big story so any thoughts you have on what what this means for broken token or the industry in general no pressure <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, take take your time with it <laughs> i mean i i'm glad that things are getting taken care of i'm glad that she felt brave enough to speak up and that actions have been taken because of it. Um, you know, apologies are, they vary and they're tricky and I don't have a ton of context on what actually happened. He, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad that the things are happening, I guess. As a result. Yeah. Yeah. So, Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 something. Yeah, it's at least um, you know, it had been other than this one statement that didn't really put anything forth uh, a couple of weeks ago. There is it, it is at, at at a for a charitable reading of it. Yes, it's certainly, you know, he's he's trying something. Uh Alex, what 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 do you think? What was your what was your impression of this? I mean, stepping down as CEO but not leaving kind of seems wrong like you i mean you're still like a lot of companies backed off from broken token after this you know uh sailor mm -hmm. fair games it just like a lot of a lot of people stepped away and that's 
as you alluded to, probably why they're laying off people is they lost a lot of contracts. Um, you know, so it's if you are stepping away because of this behavior, it's the root cause of it hasn't left. Uh, and maybe in a less charitable reading of this, uh, there's a blame on this, like everything that happened for losing the roles and, and like not taking ownership that like it's because of, you know, Greg Spence's actions that these jobs were lost. Uh, it, it comes across as like just coincidental, but really it's like dude messed up uh, and now everyone is suffering. Yeah, I, th- I think most people that I've seen have been pretty critical of the reaction uh, of the statement. I think, as you said, yeah, it's uh, I, th- I think the, the thing that most people, a lot of people took great issue with was the way he phrased it as saying, well, yes, it was improper, but it was consensual really feels to me like trying to like soften the blow a little bit and act mm-hmm. like. Yeah, you know, it's uh, okay. Yeah, it's not, you can't say it's consensual when there's that much of a power dynamic going on. Like, you, mm. it may have felt consensual to you, but that's potentially because she didn't feel like she had any other choice. So, yeah, for sure, that, that part definitely smells a little funny. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, when we talked about this, uh, the initial story when this broke out, I know one of the things, that we also did touch on was like, like you said, Alex, is if, you know, if he's stepping down, but he's still getting money, is it enough? I, so Will, what do you think? Is it, is, does this, does this do anything? Is this, is this, are we going to see another statement in three weeks uh, where he maybe tries to come back and is they're forced to go even further? I don't maybe I assume if he, if there's another statement won't be from him. It'll be someone else saying we have removed um, all connections with, hmm. which I think they'll probably ha- still have to do. I mean, you, you guys pretty much said it all. Uh, first, the wording of this still, and I'm not, I'm not good with words, <laughs> you know, and uh, even I'm like sets alarm bells for me. Um, people aren't going to be happy because they know it's just sort of like the you're stepping down, but you're still there, and if you're still connected somehow, if. If you believe, if you are sorry for what you did, which was a power dynamic, you need to give up all your power. Mm-hmm. And he he's not. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree, and I think that's going to be the takeaway for most people. Uh, to the point where I almost, it's like, aren't we at the point now where if you're in this position, there's like enough people, unfortunately, have had to do this PR song and dance that you'd think somebody would be telling him this isn't good enough, like that they would realize, have the foresight to know what the reaction to this will be, but still like there's, they just don't get it. It seems, which is kind of a drag. I feel like I'm Chris Matthews, by the way, like this is such a, such a serious topic. Usually we talk about things that are so frivolous, uh, but we're, we're getting into some, you know, it's, this is very important. Uh, subject matter and yeah I, th- I think that I th- that I think that's you're probably right that saying that it's not going to be him it's probably going to be uh, this new CEO that's from now on the one giving the statements and they're probably going to try to keep him out of the spotlight as much as possible uh, whether he's part of a member of the company in some way or not so we've seen it's a similar thing we've saw too with um, I don't know if you guys are following all the Jeopardy hosts 
uh, hubbub. But, uh, you know, they had their producer, Michael Richards, was going to be the new host. And he, um, you know, had a had a history that we don't need to go into, but uh, people were not happy with him either. He eventually said, OK, I'm no lo- I will step down as host, but I'm still a producer. And then about a week later, people were still unhappy and it was not good. So he said, OK, I am officially resigning now from that position, too. <laughs> so, again, it's just we just keep seeing people just they keep trying to like get away with giving up as little power as they can, as they think they can. Well, um, the sort of counter that I had no idea about the him stepping down and all people being angry about that. I knew he stepped off from the host position. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're playing that gamble of being like, just maybe enough people just see that I left and not read the full thing. Right. You yeah, know. that's that's the question is, I guess, for us and like people who are on board game Twitter, you know, I think we're savvy about these things. But if you're just a gamer, you might just you buy the insert that looks good and you don't think about any you don't even know about the this stuff going on. It's not like uh, it's not like this is happening in Hollywood. This isn't on CNN or something yet. Right. So, yeah, it's a it's kind of a weird it's kind of a weird situation in that way. But I don't know. Any any final thoughts from from anybody before we before we move on from this, at least for this episode? Like, again, I imagine this there's a good chance this might come back up at some point. But um, Alex or Jules, every every, we kind of cover everything, you think? Yeah, I mean, don't assault your employees. Yeah, I yes. mean, yeah, it's like yeah. that's he yeah, yeah, there's no way he didn't know this was he was doing the wrong thing before the medium article came out like that. You know, well, this, I mean, this wasn't he still like still doesn't a, admit wrong. Right, he doesn't really he doesn't say he's sorry. I mean, I remember the previous post, you know, that he made was like, you know, when other allegations come out, it's like, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, no, no one's like, well, I bet they're all gonna blame me now. Like, no, it's it's because you did a lot of stuff, and you know it. You're a, you're a skeezy dude. Um, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I have no sympathy I for this. I did not and- murder this person, and when the other bodies are found, <laughs> I didn't murder them either. Yeah, those are yeah. also not my prints. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, we will. Uh, I I wish it went without saying, but I'll reiterate what you said, Jules. Yes. Any if you are part of a CEO, I mean, we we keep you know we try to be as mindful of this stuff as possible, especially just like Will and I as as the dudes hosting this podcast of to put the message out there of not only, of course, do not assault anyone, but also be aware of what's going on around you. And, you know, if, if you think there's something amiss somewhere, just look out for it and try to, you know, put a stop to it sounds too dramatic. But if, if you have the opportunity or to at least get the word out about it or talk to people about it, that, that can be really important. Well, and yeah, I mean, as, as, oh, go ahead, Jules. Well, I just, mm-hmm. this is an actual crime. So losing your job over it and not going to jail is like, you know, pretty small re- repercussions really. And, you know, there's, we're going to, I'm going to go down a, a, a bad road if I keep talking about just how angry I am about all of this stuff. But um, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, it's a huge issue. It's definitely not just this one thing. We as a society haven't really figured out how we are deciding how to deal with this stuff yet. It's still kind of 
yeah, but it's, it's a really difficult thing, especially from where I sit in how these things go, uh, to really say how, if it's a good or bad example of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well put. And, uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not an easy subject to talk about, but so, uh, thank you to both of you guys for coming on and, and, uh, dissecting it a little bit with us and, uh, we'll, we'll see how it develops. If what, where the broken token goes from here, uh, if, if they can kind of reclaim any part of their reputation and hopefully this is, you know, the, hopefully we do not get more of these kinds of stories breaking out, but if they are happening, then hopefully this will be at least an example of how you can call attention to it and, uh, you know, make your, make some people can make their voices heard in the way that Ashley did. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I'd love to see the employees that left start up, uh, you know, damaged pawn or whatever, uh, rival <laughs> company and, you know, just reclaim the model and, and with a better surrounding atmosphere and better culture and better people. Or really yeah. the same people, but just not the, you know, the worst one in charge. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's an interesting idea. I, I, I do wonder about the, the people that are no longer at the company just from just recently and ex- yeah, how they, which ones were fired and why and what they're going to do next. Yeah. There's some well, good I was, talent. Out I was there. wondering, is it all fired or could some, they say that and some just it, left. who knows if it's PR or not. I think the way he's put it is just that the staff was reduced or something like that. Right. But he also put in <laughs> other things in, in right. ways that I'm questioned. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Who, yeah. We may, we may not know. They might have NDAs or something even, or, uh, you know, uh, we'll, I don't or know. Or maybe if, they just, don't want to be a part of it anymore. Yeah, it could be a little of both for sure. All right. So that's our actual serious, important uh, subject for the episode. Uh, we'll have a link so you can read that uh, full statement in the show notes and see what you think about it for yourself. If you are listening, we will move on to less important topics, but still uh, our next one is pretty. Uh, it does have some far reaching implications for board games now in the past couple of months even we keep coming back to the issue of freight shipping getting more expensive manufacturing from overseas that's impacting a lot of board game publishers and a few companies have had uh, price increases announced now we know that asmodee is also planning to increase the price of uh, most a lot of their uh, game lines starting in October. There's a little spreadsheet we're all looking at, which has um, exact price increases for each product. Most of them are around five dollars. Some of them go up by ten dollars. I think maybe one of the more notable ones, to my mind, is that the LCG packs that are normally have just always been fourteen ninety five are now going to be sixteen ninety nine. So a little harder to maybe get your fix of all the LCG stuff that come out, all the X-Wing ships uh, from Fantasy Flight, or I guess that's now uh, the other miniatures company that's that's publishing the X-Wing stuff. But uh, a lot of uh, Fantasy Flight stuff really is what this uh, list covers. Now, obviously, Alex and Jules, you guys are, you know, you are game creators and game publishers. So 
th these issues are affecting you directly. Is this something that you yeah. have had to reckon with so far? And and what do you think about, you know, do you think this is going to, is this going to stop here? Or is this going to be for the foreseeable future prices is, going up? Yeah. I mean, this is something we're, we're dealing with now because we're, you know, as, as a, like an indie publisher, we kind of just do small print runs periodically. Like really after we fund the Kickstarter, we go get it made and we're like looking at prices and, you know, we're looking at a reprint for far away and it's going to cost significantly more. We're going to have to charge more um, to you know recoup costs. But I, I am glad, this is maybe a weird take on this, uh, I am glad to see Asmodee raising their prices. Uh, I was super worried the major companies would not react to this global crisis, would, would keep their current MSRPs, uh, kind of ignore the fact shipping and, and production costs are going up. And you know, have the indie scene look bad by comparison. Um, it was mm -hmm. like the anecdote you know I always learned in like economics was like, think. Of, now I'm gonna mess this up, and your viewers will or your listeners will correct me. But um, <laughs> you know, during the '80s, there were a lot of competitions in, in the airline space uh, from little regional airlines, and so the major airlines just dropped their prices, ran the regionals out of business, and then got bailed out by the federal government, uh, which very sketchy um uh, so i was kind of i always i always get nervous when i see shades of that like oh you know we're all feeling this crunch who's going to be the first person that has or the first company that has to like admit prices are going up um so right um, right yeah they, they definitely could have probably just eaten these costs and then when the smaller companies have to do it because they can't afford to do it. Then more people are going like, well, wait a minute. Why are these so expensive? If I can get Arkham horror still for this much or what have you. Well, I think you saw that on Kickstarter for a while. Like, why is this new thing so much? Like why is shipping so much? Not that that isn't every Kickstarter campaign ever. But. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, no matter well, to be fair, how many of those Kickstarter campaigns include also probably like pounds of plastic and minis. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. right, and which certainly a lot of these games on this list do. Uh, Jules, your your uh, your thoughts? Do you also you think this is overall positive right now for the industry? Well, it's definitely not a positive for the industry, but it is helpful for us indie designers to be able to point to see this is affecting everybody. Um, you know our our ability to absorb pretty much what Alex said, our ability to absorb these extra costs is just not as doable as it is for these really big companies. So the fact that, you know, it's getting a little bit more visibility, it makes it a little bit easier for us to explain why we're having to deal with this as well. Um, and I think that it's, you know, it's impacting other industries and markets as well. So it's not completely, most people have heard something about the chip shortages or how long it takes to get a bike these days or something like that. So it's, there's familiarity about it, but yeah, our, our big struggle with it right now is like, I, I wish we could give this to you cheaper. I would really like to sell it for cheaper, but then we just, we can't make the numbers add up if we do that. So, um, yeah, I, w I would much rather this not be happening, <laughs> but uh, it is it is what it is, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, I guess the the kind of like uh, 
a pessimistic view of it is that theoretically like right now they need to raise this but when people get used to these prices maybe in the future prices go down they're gonna just keep it that way but i have seen i think i saw at least uh eric lang on twitter was talking about this and saying that he thinks board games have been underpriced for a long time already so this is almost like overdue that it's kind of good for publishers in general and manufacturers that there's an excuse because they're already it was so hard to make money on some of this stuff, which I'm sure you guys have felt uh, as well. Yeah. Um, I, well, I, for one, I'm doing this for love and not money. Well, there <laughs> you is, go. This is not a gr- get which, but it, it's get a nice rich quick scheme. <laughs> right. It's, I think that's true for most designers. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a necessity. And I think like, I mean, it's nice to like have a little bit from it, but really it's, it's just an ethical thing. Like it's, like if you could do this for free and make games, like what does that say about the value of your product? If you don't like charge a fair market price for it, if you don't like ask for anything, if you lose your own money to produce something like what does that say about our industry and our hobby? Yeah. I feel like that's for like every creative industry, especially right now. That's a, that's a thing people are are thinking about now. Will you and I are not uh, game designers, but we are game consumers, and uh, I uh, tend to partake from time to time of the Marvel Champions LCG, as do you from Arkham Horror LCG. And you know these things; these costs can add up. Is this? Are you looking at this and thinking, you know, fifteen dollars a month or whatever was fine, seventeen a month is starting to push it or is this it's a few extra bucks are you gonna just go right ahead uh probably first of all go right ahead because i won't have to worry about these anymore since we're losing the the packs for the future all right that's true they're changing their format that's true but those also presumably will be Uh, more expensive than they would yeah um the thing is it's just like it is going to be more pricier but it's still going to be the same amount of budgeting and stuff Maybe I'm going to have to lose a couple things or wait on them. And it sucks maybe a bit more for me than you because I'm the kind of guy, as you, as you mentioned, after I cleaned up all my shelves and stuff, you're like, you just have more expansions than me? Because <laughs> yeah. uh, more boxes, I, more boxes. I do think, like, I read, you know, Eric Lang's tweet as well. And I thought about just, you know, just how in general, when I price things, like, do my own, like, Budgeting. Can I afford this or not? Budgeting, that's the word. Thank you. <laughs> I often use, like, when things start getting expensive, game consoles and stuff like that as my, <laughs> like, this counts costs twice that, you know? And when you think about, if you then were to look at, like, movie tickets, video games, TV shows, and you take the, I guess, the the time, you, the playtime you get that in, from a board game, especially some very big ones, they are pretty fairly priced. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know and because there's plenty of mo- most of them have replayability and usually the ones that don't are a huge campaign i i mean how many hours is gloomhaven <laughs> uh for us infinite <laughs> <laughs> it will never be so, completed, but yeah this may this may maybe be dangerous in the sense that you can't just make an okay game anymore because it's much harder it's to be like I might be able to swing maybe 30 to 40 for an okay, but if it's 50 to 60. Do you think, are we going to see, this is very, it's what you're describing sounds very similar to what's happened in the movie industry over the last decade or so, 
which is we you almost never see a mid-budget movie anymore. It's either an indie movie and like maybe it goes straight to Netflix or streaming or it's a Marvel Disney blockbuster. <laughs> and there's almost there's used to get a lot more in between. Uh, but studios, we maybe yeah. um, I think what we may see more is that there's and maybe this falls under it. I think you're not going to see mid range miniatures. You're either going to see these huge mini games. Those are your Marvel movies. <laughs> but I still think we could see like some things that are mid range, but they're definitely cardboard. Like it's not going to be as deluxe. Like <laughs> deluxe, deluxe, you're going to consider high price now. You're not going to be like, I can get deluxe for $40. Yeah. Which to some extent, I think we've Kickstarter has started to condition board gamers for a couple of years now on that with starting with stuff like Gloomhaven, these bigger experiences. Uh, I, I will admit even for me, even though like I intellectually, I'm like, yeah, these, they cost that much. I know that it's the right move. I think for a lot of people and, and myself included, there is, there is almost an unfair bias where like you compared it to video games. And for some reason I'm like, yeah, $60 for a video game. I guess I'm just used to it. Well, now it's going to be $70, and that's also is a little bit of sticker shock. Uh, but the the jump from like Mansions of Madness from was $99.95 to $109.99, that's a big psychological difference of, oh, now it's over 100 bucks. Right. There's always that kind of thing. Oh, well, there's a reason why we do $29.99 instead of $30. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and so I, I wonder how... The, this will impact their sales overall if it will be that big of a deal because i mean i was already starting to slow down a little on marvel champions just because i just there's just too much and i'm bad at keeping up with things i mean we've had this conversation <laughs> i think also marvel champions it's a lot easier to step out there's a lot of there's a lot of things of factors but but now this is almost like it's almost like I feel like I have permission more so to be like, you know what? Yeah, this is the time to go. <laughs> it's uh, it's starting to get more Or expensive. it's the time to get all of them now before the prices increase. <laughs> well, yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, you've got a month. Uh, but yeah, so. It's, I, yeah. yeah, it's, I'm very curious to see. I think, as you said in the very beginning, though, because this is Phantasmo Day, but really this is mostly Fancy Flight, like 90% of this thing. Yeah. I think that's what and that will be. I'm sure we'll see other people increase in price because of that. They're the kind of play they are for better, for worse. The company that, you know, like people are going to buy their stuff, whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah. Too <laughs> big know. to fail. And I will say, I know Arkham. I mean, not, I know not Arkham, but fancy fly. I'm not a, I don't, as great, but like, with the video game company, I will say that price increase, I'm worried like, I don't think that $10 extra is going to the people who should have it. <laughs> I think you might be going to the right people, at least until. Yeah, Asmo Day, I shipping. don't know. but Asmo, That's why I said fancy Asmo Day. Not. Um, and I really, I, the bigger thing is I really do hope shipping containers get back in price because that's the, that's yeah. the killer. Yeah, it's really hard, but I don't think this is, Certainly the most high profile price increase, but I I think we're gonna see pretty soon. I don't know if every company will, you know, have this splashy of like people noticing it, but I think the prices are just gonna be a little higher uh, in general. Uh and maybe or maybe just um and you know, the online sites that are always slashing those prices might not be slashing them quite as much in well, turn. It may be funny, but that could be part of this decision too. They're like they're selling 
you know, Mansions of Madness now for $80. We'll get them to sell it for $99 now. Right. Like they're, maybe they're raising it, <laughs> calculating the slashes in. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be that. I wouldn't be surprised if that has been a factor already. I don't know. I don't mean, uh, Alex and Jules, you guys are uh, a, a, a little smaller than Asmo Day. <laughs> Slightly. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if that's the like the retail side of it factors in as much to your thinking about price. I'm guessing it's more, you know, uh, re- retail is a big part of it, and like we do have okay. to think against, like you know, in a in a store, it's not. Like people don't know we're indie necessarily. Like, if we do everything right, mm-hmm. it, it looks like every other game. Uh, so, you know, it's like the movies where you go to the the you know theater in the university district, and that's where all the cool movies play. Uh, <laughs> it's you know we're like far away is on a shelf uh, next to Pandemic, and you know if it's a weird price, people will will notice. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, we're we're affected by we're affected by the market perceptions. We're uh, affected by value like you know people pick up the box see how much it weighs and judge um mm-hmm. i i do wonder how much of this is like locked into a generation psyche that like a board game costs 40 dollars or whatever uh and that maybe the the younger generations don't have that preconceived notion you were talking about video games i like i remember buying them as a kid and they were like 30 dollars for a what would be a triple a game now uh yeah, that's uh-huh. and it just like we we all accept sixty because like I think that happened when we were in our early twenties and that's just locked in. Um, right. Same, for the same reason, you probably think a sandwich should cost under ten dollars, but uh, you know I haven't paid that little for a sandwich in a while. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 and and it's a good point about we you know we tend to sometimes you forget that oh, Gloomhaven that's that's an indie game. <laughs> right i mean you know the uh it's much it is much different in board games like yeah they you can it's much easier to just be a game and i think i think it's really the the a lot of the blame is on companies like hasbro who have been selling monopoly for like 15 bucks for so many years because they make a million of them so the mo- the mass market thinks board games are these cheap things mm-hmm. and that's when they they you know they see the game that's 60 dollars, and they're like how can that be? I just bought Uno for three bucks. Uh, <laughs> they don't understand uh, the difference. <laughs> yeah, I do think we are at least that front. We're doing a little bit better because they wouldn't be selling like Gloomhaven Jaws of Line otherwise. Yeah, that's I true. Work. But I do th- like definitely the generational is always going to be a thing you worry about because uh, uh, we don't like to admit there gets a point when the dollar when you were a kid is not the same as a dollar now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It isn't. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, according to minimum wage, it is. <laughs> right. Yeah, that hasn't changed, so it should be fine. <laughs> um, oh no. <laughs> we're really we're going all over the place on this oh. episode. Strap in, folks. Yeah. Um, anyway, Asmo Day board game prices. Uh, if you want to buy any of those games and get them a little cheaper, you might want to do it this month. But uh, expect to see this kind of thing, I think, happening for a while. And, you know, I think maybe a a long term benefit of this might just be that we see companies being more selective about what games they publish, publishing fewer games and therefore publishing only the strongest designs. That's there's my optimistic take. That would be my (laughs) hope uh, for at least most companies. I do think there are a couple that will then just stick to what they know is tried and true. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of what's tried and true and speaking of <laughs> Fantasy Flight, uh, they have announced a new game that we'll talk about. It's a new Game of Thrones card game called Betwixt. And that's B apostrophe Twix T Betwixt. It's like uh, it's like, what was it? Bewitched, the pop group uh, Bewitched. What was their song? That's that's what they were called, right? Bewitched. It's like a girl group from the 90s, 2000s. Is this the one that appeared on Scooby-Doo? <laughs> Eh, who hasn't at this at this rate? Anyway, a Game of Thrones betwixt. So uh, once again, they are using this license, and this is a bidding game wherein you are uh, building a council and trying to get the most power in the world of Game of Thrones. And each turn, allies are going to come out that you're going to be bidding influence on in order to uh, receive and add their power to your council. The twist is that it's a lot like game we've been talking about recently between two castles uh, or between two cities where uh, you have a council to your left and a council to your right that you're sharing with the players on either side of you. And at the end of the game, the council with the uh, your council of the two with the lowest score is the one that you're ultimately going to score. So you have to try to balance out the councils to your left and right. They're also getting coins, which have a value you don't get to see until the end of the game. So that adds a lot of uh, intrigue. You're not going to know exactly what the scores are until the very end. And there's some twists to the bidding as well, where some of the cards actually have abilities. You might think your neighbor's going to win a bid. So you'll actually play a card that will give you a bonus if they win or something like that. Uh, Jules, are you a, a Game of Thrones fan, or and does this sound like anything that will appeal to you? Uh, I have watched some of Game of Thrones. Uh, I was not fully in it when it was happening. Um, so for that uh, piece of it, not so much. But the mechanics do sound kind of interesting. I would definitely play it if a friend invited me to, um, and. And yeah, bidding games can be kind of fun sometimes. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big bidding game fan. I think it's a, a pretty good mechanic. Um, it does seem like first... there, from what I can tell, uh, just looking at the description of it, um, the the Game of Thrones-ness of it doesn't have a whole lot to do with the mechanics of the game. Like I think I've watched enough that I could follow along what's going on here, I think. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think you may be right about that. I, I, what do you think, Alex? Is this is this a game that does the theme seem super necessary for it, or do you think this is just a kind of a pasted on license because they have it? I mean, I think it does better than some at handling this license. Like, at least there is this idea of like intrigue and changing loyalties. But like, I don't know. There's not a lot of dying. Uh, <laughs> you know, I like if if I was to say what I remember from Game of Thrones, other than a, a trash ending, uh, it, <laughs> it, you know, it wasn't like Cersei Lannister and, and the Martells bidding over, you know, Tyrion to like come join them. <laughs> uh, right. But the mechanics cool. I like I like the the shared objective. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, I would play this. Um, I do, I do wish, yeah, like I'm, I don't know. This makes me sound like a curmudgeon. I wish this wasn't Game of Thrones. I wish this was, you know, some cool IP that I could get into. Uh, you know, we keep mentioning Gloomhaven, but I, I do respect that game for having like 
a world it created uh, as opposed to being Dungeons and Dragons in a giant box. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Would it be really the most thematic thing is if if there was like just a terrible end game in the game of thrones (laughs) it all falls apart at the end yeah Um, and like the whole plot thread you've been building like doesn't really matter (laughs) at the end you all die whoever rolls the highest wins yeah oh that'd be great (laughs) uh well what do you think we both we both enjoyed uh between two castles a lot so it sounds Uh, yeah i was gonna say that aspect is always great because first of all I still don't think we've flooded the market with games that make you really worry about the person to your left or right. And I'm not counting if you're, you know, you just have that aggressive person next to you. Like I think of not only like between two castle, but also seven wonders and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it seems like a nicer way to get that game of Thrones feeling of like, I'm sort of helping you, but I want to help the person to my right as well. Like it's not straight up, you know, your uh, betrayal or games or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the theme is though I'm sure people who maybe were fans of Game of Thrones it's not the biggest thing either I am happy that they're at least trying a new game uh, though I would what I, once again I just feel like Fantasy Flight is sitting on a treasure trove and I would love to see though I know the problem is this would be after and maybe wouldn't attract so many people because everyone's dead already but you know the Journeys in Middle Earth game yeah huh if they the did that in for Game of Thrones, but it's designed to take place after the bad ending. So, like, the entire <laughs> world, you don't have to worry about the story. You don't know what could possibly go on. So they can just go to really weird places. Yeah, I think that would be cool, although now with between Journeys in Middle-Earth and Descent, I don't know if they can, if they have room for another, like, huge mini campaign game like that, but it certainly would be it's, interesting. It'd have Fantasy Flight and Game of Thrones on it. Yeah. I think, I think that's... That, Every time we think there's not enough, another big Kickstarter comes up. They just need the team to devote to making it, I guess. Is but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that this sounds pretty. I like, I love, I like the sound of the gameplay. But I think I agree with the general sentiment that I just it would. It just seems like it's Game of Thrones because that's they know that's going to sell. And not that it's. It sounds like it would fit the theme well enough, but. It would be so much more interesting to me if this was an original IP uh, of some kind. And right. And it's also not like while we say it's good enough, it's not like when you read and you're like, oh, my God, Game of Thrones is perfect for this. Yeah, it's it's like they kind of, you know, with the uh, LCG, I feel like they've and the board game, too. They already like nailed a game you would want from that universe. And oh, I guess yeah. this is nice because it's, it'll be it's much more accessible. This sounds like a much more. You don't need to uh, buy friendly. 50 packs. Yeah, and just <laughs> much lighter on the rules. But uh, when's the last time Fantasy Flight made a, a game that wasn't Star Wars or Game of Thrones? I, I mean, I guess Keyforge is like, I feel like was the last original thing that really came well, out of Even them. then, I mean, I can't think of the last time. Honestly, the Lord of the Rings one, this first thing comes to mind. Maybe that was before the mint Star Wars miniature game, but a new game, like not an expansion. Yeah. Well, we have any un- of the unfathomable properties. coming up. So I guess that's the next, that one. would be, that would be it. But like, oh, that's still Lovecraft. <laughs> so it's well, not, no, I'm not yeah. like, that's what my point is. Even if you, a new like, standalone game, not an expansion or a, right. Like, and even then that is just a reskin of a game that they lost a right. to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this isn't gonna, I don't think set anyone's world on fire, but, 
it could end up being a a relatively fun lighter game. And yeah, that's a Game of Thrones Betwixt, uh, which will be releasing later this year. I want to say <laughs> they say uh, yes, later this year. That's that's the best they can give us. Uh, and finally, there's one other game I really want to hear thoughts on that kind of made made a splash. People discovered that this ex- exists and is coming out this year. So we all remember the hit Netflix series, The Queen's Gambit. Uh, Anya Taylor-Joy plays Beth Harmon, and she's a chess prodigy, and uh, they are making a game based on that. And naturally, you might be thinking to yourself, it doesn't that already exist? It's called chess. Uh, and in fact, no, this is a different game. It is called The Queen's Gambit. Now, I, I assume they're going to localize this title. It hasn't been yet. It's called, The subtitle is Das Damon Gambit. So uh, I don't know what the English title is going to be, but this is a game for two to four players that simulates being a chess prodigy like Beth Harmon in the show. And the setup looks like a normal chess board, but there are just tokens on it that represent chess pieces. And you have a series of cards in your hand that are like programming moves for your one piece. Each player has a different colored queen (laughs) and you set these cards up and follow the moves, the patterns with your queen piece and try to just run over the chess tiles on the board. And if the more you take, the higher your score is. So yes. Yeah. uh, You forgot to mention that queen piece that you have is not called the queen. It's called (laughs) your gambit. (laughs) It's called your gambit. (laughs) um just i mean what what's going on here alex can you explain this game to me (laughs) i am i am desperately trying to figure this out by reading the like german back of the box uh also you're just saying gambit makes me really want to play a game called the gambit or yeah the gambit's queen where it's like a bunch of x-men fighting over a chessboard Um, (laughs) (laughs) well that sounds good there's also the star wars the queen's gambit which is uh, no longer in print. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's 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 weird. I mean, are are you uh, Alex or Jules? Were you guys fans of the of the series? And I mean, did it? Were you one of the people entranced and who went out and raised the sales of chess sets last year? I mean, I, I own a chess set uh, as a as a board game designer. I feel like I would I would get kicked out of the league. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't, the show was fine. I. I had the same problem I have with it, like every modern show, in that episodes needed to be half as long, and I it, I just mm-hmm. didn't have the attention for it. Um, I don't know. I'm 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 bewildered by this game because this could either be really cool or just the worst cash tie-in ever. Uh, the the Netflix logo at the top of the box is making me think the latter, um, and a trend I hope does not continue in board games. Like. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I would play a queer eye board game. I would like, I would play a board game about like fixing someone's life and fashion sense. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Hey, you get the rights to that. Yeah. This is from a publisher called, or a designing design team, I think called mix lore. They've also did the black mirror card game, which I've heard very bad things about, (laughs) but uh, they also designed some that I think have been a little better received, like the Shining board game um, that I think Robinsberger put out, uh, or Prospero Hall, I guess it was. But uh, yeah, I don't know. They don't have like the best track 
record. Uh, what what do you think, Jules? <laughs> uh that's an interesting connection um i have played the shining game and uh okay fine i also had never seen shining so that might have influenced my opinion on it it was playable without knowing the movie um but yeah i don't know i watched the queen's gambit i loved the set design um that is an era of interior design that i get really nerdy i should mention i am a graphic designer so the visuals of things really are important to me um but yeah i don't know this seems a little unnecessary since the show is about playing chess um but uh you know uh, i did not go out i actually have some traumatic memories of learning chess as a high schooler um so it's never been a game that i've been super into i had a friend that taught me how to play chess like explained all the moves and then said let's do a practice game and beat me in three moves and that was my entire tutorial (laughs) so (laughs) i have (laughs) i have some extra things about this but um yeah i don't know i do have a friend that did go out and buy a chessboard after watching the show which i thought was pretty fascinating um but (laughs) Yeah, this is a little bit of a head scratcher for me. <laughs> yeah, who who is the audience for this game? Will is is like this is people people who are too lazy to learn chess? I guess I don't know what. I the... think it's part of that. Just seeing like, oh, it's the Queen's Gambit. You know, just name recognition. Uh, I will say yeah. this though: if you were to ask me, do you think you can make a game based on the Queen's Gambit show that isn't just chess? I would say yes. Because the show simply isn't just, you're not just watching chess games. True. Like you're following yeah. this character, there's the Cold War. So you could definitely, I think, come up with a very interesting, I actually would picture it, I know this is really weird to say, but just because, like, uh, Star Wars Risk, which isn't just Risk, it actually has, like, multiple tracks, and you'd have to, like... Mm, which is also, by the way, a, re- a redo of the Queen's Gambit Star Wars game, so... Really? So I just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a of... But, like, Circle. can you picture that also? I think also, like... This just looks like a it looks like a cheap chessboard when it's not like picturing like you mentioned as a designer, you mentioned the backdrop, the show, that era. Like it's not telling me about that era. Like, can you imagine a board that shows some of that art designs? Maybe there's a track where you have to balance your own sanity and like her own <laughs> problems and stuff. Yeah. I like mean, we, that- we just played and maybe we'll talk about it. It's on uh game found the new portal games 11, which is about managing a football team, a soccer team. And but it's not about as much playing, actually playing football. Mm-hmm. I could see a similar thing where it's like going to tournaments and, you know, deal. Yeah, like you said, dealing with your personal life could be cool, but it would it would require them to take it to, you know, uh, a, a real publisher who isn't just they just want to slap a logo on a box and <laughs> get it. Yeah, on I shelves. mean, I'm sorry for sorry. What was the company's name? Mixlore. Uh, Mixlore. Um, like I said, I heard something about Black Mirror and this, too. Netflix sometimes just they do a couple things right, but I have seen they're doing a shotgun approach to some things and being like, let's just quickly get something out that's a property people recognize just for their shows. So the idea that they would do the same thing for board games to me is no surprise. Yeah. 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 This really looks like a game that maybe you'd buy as a gift for someone that you know likes the show and sometimes plays games and hope that they would like it. And but I don't really see anyone that really was in either of those groups 
seeking this game out. Uh. <laughs> right. And uh, if there are any Netflix executives listening to this somehow, Cherry Pick is an excellent company to go to who can actually do any property you have justice. Oh, just man. saying yeah thank you thank you we, yeah uh, yeah we'd, well i mean we'd make you, this game about suggested one yeah no yeah, I'm, I'm excited if oh. you can, if you guys get that i'm down to try it out all right i'll i'll start working on that uh I'll pitch it to netflix uh as well as my my version of queen's gambit where you're you're just managing the amount of drugs in your person uh <laughs> and that's kind of just the game. It's one childhood trauma. Yeah. Yeah. It's really just about the psychological thing. And then the actual chess match is like, yeah, just like rock, paper, scissors. Cause you know, who cares? That's the boring part. <laughs> <laughs> what about a dexterity game where you're trying to steal drugs out of the big drug jar without knocking the jar over? Remember that? Oh, scene? Yeah. <laughs> that happened on that show. Uh, yeah. No, that's great. That, I mean, that's called Operation, I think, though. That game already exists. Mm, mm, you could be right. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think maybe maybe they'll give you guys uh, like Lily Hammer or uh, Hemlock Grove. You, you know, no, wow. No, um, I, I, I don't know either of those. And that speaks to how big our company is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was me trying to go for it. Yeah, those uh, were like when Netflix first started doing original content to shows, nobody cares about them anymore. So <laughs> just throw that out there mainly for to make me happy. That yeah, no. me to say that. I, I was just going to avoid saying all the ones I know because they're all the weird <laughs> cartoon ones. Hey, I, you know, as long as no one ruins BoJack Horseman by making a terrible tie-in game. Oh, man. Yeah, you better get that. It'd be just Uno with <laughs> sadness. <laughs> Uno with sadness. Big mouth. All right, let's not. We're not going to list Netflix properties. We don't need to advertise for them. So uh, the Queen's Gambit game. You can wait for that to come out, or you can just play chess. It's up to you. Uh, now let's get into some games that are in the world of crowdfunding. It's time for Kickstarter. Pickstarter. Oh, this one looks uh, nice. No, no, it's no, nice. No, it's no, nice. This one. Kickstarter. Pickstarter. All right. Each of uh, each of us, each of uh, uh, us has looked at Kickstarter or perhaps GameFound, who knows, uh, and is going to mention a project that we're excited about. So, uh, Jules, why don't you go first? Did you got a pick for us from the world of crowdfunding? I do. Uh, I I want to say hair of the dog, but it's it's not there yet. So, um, no, but I soon. yes, very soon. Um, I have come across a game called The Price of Coal. Um, it's a story game about labor rights, actually. And uh, it's beautiful artwork. Um, it's a deck of, I'm looking at it here, uh, 78 tarot size cards. Um, and it's about the um, coal miners of West Virginia in the 1920s. And apparently, I learned this through this Kickstarter, um, there was quite a, you know, it was terrible conditions and bad wages, low wages. And you could only, it was one of those places you could only spend your money from your job in the company store. So just giving it right back to your boss. Um, and it actually ended up devolving into kind of an all out war with um, federal reserve, I believe um, federal troops coming in and uh, mm. like actual fighting um, because of these bad conditions. Um, and uh, I don't know, it was, it's a really interesting topic for a game. It's something that's pretty different from a lot of the games you see out there. And the artwork, 
again, it just looks beautiful. Um, and I think that the subject matter and the, the topics they're talking about are fairly timely um, for things that are going on today uh, and uh, encouraging unionizing and that sort of thing. So yeah, that one caught my eye and um, it looks like it's got eight days left and it's doing pretty well. So yeah, I'd recommend checking that one out. Yeah, the as you said, the artwork looks fantastic for mm -hmm. it. And and yeah, we always I bring up anytime there's a game that has a theme that you haven't seen before, uh it's that's definitely makes picks up my interest a little bit. Uh and it's it's like an RPG essentially, right? Yeah, it's, it's a, like I think it's a GMless um RPG. Mm-hmm. So it looks yeah, like they're like each player has two characters and you draw a prompt card and you decide which character is going to play out a scene with that card. So you get to kind of follow multiple characters down a storyline. So it looks pretty Got interesting. It. Yeah, I'm definitely intrigued. The price of coal and that's uh, $25 for a physical copy is also going to be on roll 20. So might be a good one to to play remotely with folks. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that, that one looks really cool. I'm going to have to remind me on that one. All right. <laughs> now, uh, usually we're the ones who we, we make other people back things <laughs> that they didn't think they were going to back <laughs> before the show begins. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Hoisted. <laughs> Hoisted on the petard. Uh, Alex, and I, I think also, I think it sounds like we're going to have a few interesting, like, timely uh social context kind of games today which is cool alex what have you been picking up on the old kickstarter front these days so there's there's two and i'll, I'll go i'll go pretty quick um take your first, time the first one oh thank you uh well now <laughs> you said that buckle up uh -oh. um oh, no. no uh just kidding so one um i i worry that it won't be live still when this goes out um but it's called trick shot uh it's a basketball card game uh, and I remember looking at this with my wife thinking like, this is going to be silly. Cause like, you know, it's gamified basketball, whatever. It's already a game. Uh, but <laughs> just like the chess thing, um, you could just play chess. You could just play basketball, but this is like a, a, a way to like make different complex shots or like challenge each other. Um, like and have just little different things to make it a, a bit different and uh, than just a game of horse. Uh, they also, I really like how they thought out their box design of having, instead of like a little tracker, it's like little clips on the side of the box that move around. So just a, a fun little component there. It's also a group of kids that. making it in, in what I assume is rural Idaho. Um, and I like that. I, more people should make things as youths when you still have that spirit of play. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Looks fun. We, we yeah. Uh, my, my wife was a all American basketball player in college. So we were like ready to mock this and then yeah, liked it and backed it on a, on a ferry ride. <laughs> um, cool. But yeah. Cool. The, the other little one, uh, oh, we want to talk about basketball. Um, <laughs> we can, uh, yeah, we, well, I'll, I'll just say, uh, looking at it, it does trick. I do love when games use the box. I think that's, that's a lot of fun. And uh, it seems like a fun idea. And, um, it, it it looks like yeah it's it's got like a couple two or three days left and it's hasn't hit its goal yet so but i hope that if they don't hit it that maybe they'll rework it and relaunch it because it you know yeah that can that can work it looks like the kind of thing where it's like not 
going to stand up to the marketing of like the other Kickstarters out there. So, you know, right. lesson learned. Yeah. Um, Look, don't worry. They'll come back with a whole bunch of miniatures and I'll go <laughs> through the roof. Yeah, really, you just need to rebrand the basketball as a miniature. And yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Wow. Comes with a giant orange miniature. You're really selling this as a basketball <laughs> mini for your D&D campaign. And yeah. also it comes with a game. <laughs> there you go. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> well, that's dumb. All right. I'm pressing this side. What, what's, uh, what's your other one? The other one is called Parents Are Human. A bilingual game to deepen family bonds um and this one caught my eye because uh, I, I i just got married and my uh parents and oh thank you thank you it was lovely uh <laughs> you know we'll all send you the link to the wedding register um no. <laughs> so um uh -huh. the uh my, my parents-in-law are immigrants they're originally from germany um and conversation with them can be kind of hard and like i mean their english is, is flawless but it's just like there are cultural differences and there's an expectation to keep like everything surface level um whereas the premise of this game is it's like got two flavors of cards uh one chili or two chili uh so like the one chili ones are very easy like you know, small talk questions. The two chilly ones are very like deep engrossing questions that you're meant to ask your parents or have them ask to you. Um, so you can actually like have a real conversation and learn stuff about their history or uh, their experiences coming over to this country. So stuff that like wouldn't normally come up, but needs to be talked about. Wow. I, I love this. This, uh, these, and these seem like just interesting prompts too, that, you know, you could just use like to get to know someone better or something in general, but as the, with this specific framing in mind, that's, that seems really cool. Yeah. And they've got like different language versions. And, uh, I think the more they get requests for the more they'll do. So I'll, I'll put in the one for, for German, even though they speak exactly three words of German. Um, <laughs> what so, are they? Um, aired mention which means meerkat. <laughs> okay. I didn't think you'd lead with that, but okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I'm, I'm doing great. And the other, the other two word combo is Schleichendepanta, which means crouching panther, which is how oh. we describe our cat. I guess the last, I was like, I think he said panther. Uh, cool. Cool. I'm, I'm good at this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they love my attempts at, understanding their culture <laughs> uh i took a couple semesters of german in college but i you probably still speak it better than i do <laughs> uh, no um that's it that's I, I i don't i couldn't say like how are you uh, but i could point at a meerkat <laughs> hey that comes up more often than you'd think you'd be surprised uh, you know when it does you'll all you know you're mocking me now but <laughs> right. you'll be laughing then yeah uh, so this game is called parents are human and, uh, $25 will get you a physical and digital deck. They also, they've got an early bird, the thing too, if that's still around, uh, or, oh, or pay what you want for a digital deck. If depending on your budget, uh, that's, uh, that's very nice when companies do that kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, check that one out. So we've had a couple really like interesting, uh, meaningful, potentially life improving social kind of games. So will I assume your pick this week has got to, it's got to live up to that level. 
Not yeah. only am I going to be disappointed that you took my one thing a segment of being like, look how funny I am. I mentioned a cow mine's not. <laughs> you mm. monster. Yeah, well, you know what? I I I feel I do feel a little bad about it now. So I I'm going back. To I'll cut. I'll just, edit this out. You can go ahead and uh, pretend I didn't say that. I'm just going back to your classic. Hey, look, big board game and stuff, doing stuff and getting. Somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> it's it's Eos Island of Angels. I'm probably saying that wrong. E O S. Mm-hmm. And uh, I should remember how this is pronounced because I actually got to demo this. Oh. And try it out uh, during some play testing. And it is this really fun game when you play as asymmetrical pot. I can't remember. You're you're crewing a ship. I don't think you're exactly pirates per se. You're from different places and you're trying to go around and awaken these ancient, like giant angels while there's also these demons roaming about in these oceans. And it has this really clever, cool engine style game. I wish I could have more pictures in front of me to remind myself all this stuff, but unfortunately it it should be out hopefully by this podcast. You're listening it, not while we're recording it. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I saw that one and I'm glad that you picked it because, yeah, it's one of there's a few bigger ones that just haven't quite launched because we're a little early this week. But I also didn't know how to pronounce it. But wh- where did you uh, demo this? I don't I don't remember hearing about it. Uh, they emailed us and asked if we wanted to do it. <laughs> and I said, sure. Huh? And you're just like, you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, uh, that sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't remember. Uh, well, that's cool, but it sounds like you you enjoyed it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I always enjoy weird asymmetrical stuff. Like, uh, I I don't think it was in my group, and I realized, oh, I'll just search BGG. There was a group. Uh, no one played it, but like one group is actually octopus people, so they have their own little octopus mini and stuff. Or they did. I don't know. if They still do. By the time mm-hmm. this came out, but if you're ever if you're interested in like in like interesting engine building choices and, and like map movement this is definitely one to take a look at all right so aos eos island of angels uh from king raccoon and gray fox games we got a couple of animals there uh and that should be out by the time you're listening to this and i also picked one that's not up quite at the time of this recording but the one that i thought sounded the most interesting yeah and that's also uh this one's an environmentally conscious game called the spill from uh, Smirk and Dagger or Smirk and Laughter is like also the branding they use for some of their games. I'm not sure exactly what the isn't it. The, I thought the difference is whether it's competitive or cooperative or yeah, that's what I thought, too. But they seem to have both logos on this box. Maybe <laughs> so, it has two, two modes. <laughs> I wasn't sure if they changed their name. Anyway, the spill, it's about cleaning up an oil spill. It, it is a cooperative game. I think you can play it yeah, solo as well, one to four players. And sort of like in a pandemic kind of way, you're taking actions, moving around this board, and your goal is to clean up oil and like save marine animals that you spend a certain amount of action points to do. But the gimmick of it is that there's a big dice tower in the middle. And I guess sort of like um, Edge of Nowhere. Is that was that the name of the Edge of Darkness? I always get forget which word they use at the end. Uh, Edge of Darkness from AEG, uh, where like the dice tower has different or a return to dark tower. That's another good one 
where stuff falls out in different places. There's a big dice tower in the center of the board and the oil cubes will spill out from it each round. And that determines where you need to go to clean them up. And there's also going to be weather effects that will hurt you that might make things cost more actions or what have you. Uh, it, It looks like a cool, like an actually fun game that also has... And a, you know a valuable message behind it, which is always a nice combo. So I literally chose the only game that isn't supposed <laughs> to be helping the future of our own planet. Mine's just set sail on a ship and do your own fame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Uh, sheer coincidence for mine, though. Uh, so that's <laughs> the spill. But I also I, I just want to shout out who would win because. Uh, a friend, a friend of Roll for Crit, Jeff Syadek, who designed games like Battle Stations, real big game, also made this little card game called Who Would Win, which is just a goofy party game about you get two celebrities or fictional characters and some event they compete at, and you just are debating who you think would win at that thing. One of those kind of silly games, but he has the it's gone changed hands a few times with the rights, and he now has it back, and he's doing his own a new edition with like way more variables way more names and more activities on kickstarter so uh if you if that sounds fun to you a fun goofy little party game i also would recommend who would win and that is all of our kickstarter picks this week of course uh, you will see on our uh, youtube channel if you're following roll for crit we're also doing previews this week that have gone up by now for a game called a viking's tale on Kickstarter, which is a, a competitive card game. And of course, 11, which is on game found from portal games. As I said before, that's their new football manager game. So, uh, 11, probably the, the big one this week that we're not talking about, I think just because we made a whole video for it. So you can go look at that. And that's the end of the Kickstarter segment. Now we're going to talk about the games we've been playing in table talk. That's right. It's table talk time. So Alex, uh, what yeah. are there a few games and uh, could, could be your own. No shame. If, if you're talking about play testing, but uh, some, some games you've been playing in the last couple of weeks that you're excited to talk to us about. Yeah, uh, I, I will admit they're not new games, but... The, oh, that's all the better. Okay. The game I've been very excited to be playing lately uh, is King's Dilemma, uh, which is Ooh. the most Games of thrones board game. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I had to put it on hold. Uh, we started like in January or February of 2020 and then didn't get to see each other for a while. Uh, <laughs> so... We, we have a very re- similar tale in our game group, except we have yet to reunite. <laughs> That's, that is fair. Um, we we have, for better or worse, we're, we're most of the way through, I think. It's very hard to tell, which I think is, is good. Um, so for those who don't know King's Dilemma, the premise is you are the small council of some king who is a, a, only a name. They're never actually, like, they don't do anything in the game other than die every round um but each each in like you're you're all part of a family you choose your family that you are a part of at the start and they have some objectives and they have some quirks about them uh like my family is all about the like the cult of the mother uh we have another person who's all you're my group yeah (laughs) what cult buddies cult buddies it's fun losing every argument because everyone hates the cult 
Bengals. Uh, oh, you kidding me? I've been doing great. <laughs> oh no! Uh, like I think yeah. the problem usually is Jonathan's like Jonathan. Your group is more like you're just trying to be chill, and then then everyone doesn't like you because you're not taking a side. <sighs> yeah, I I lose every argument of that game. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you you argue about these things that come up. You draw like a card, and it's like okay, well, uh, do we go to war with these people or do we like? not uh they're often less drastic than that uh and then you all vote on it you spend your influence um and sometimes there are lasting effects that stick with whoever kind of spearheaded the decision uh which are in the form of stickers Uh, we have one player who has uh almost every sticker that is visible right now he's got 14 out of 15 and he is just ungodly powerful i don't know how we let him do that um everyone loves conrad and we all hate conrad and then he looks so sad when we all gang up against him. And then we infight and he still wins. So, um, stupid. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a great game. It's uh, a great storytelling exercise. It's a fun, like, bluffing and bidding game. Uh, and it's got that legacy component of, like, you're, I think some of your choices matter. Uh, it might be doing the telltale game thing of they all just actually secretly diverge, but I can't tell. Um, Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a uh, fun time. So if you have a group of, of five people that need to yell at each other on a regular basis. Uh, <laughs> so it sounds yeah. like you're a little further ahead in your campaign than I think we got maybe. Uh, we are, have you, we are yeah. 20, 20 or so games in. Oh yes, definitely. Oh yeah. Than us. So, so do you, have you found it's had staying power? Like, are you just as invested in the 20th game as you were in the first game? Oh yeah, uh, which is interesting. I, I recommended this game to someone who, who didn't like it, um, but for some reason, like I asked them, "Oh, how long did you spend like picking your your families?" And, and they said three minutes, uh, which for us we spent three hours deciding what families we were going to be. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, we. I don't think we spent that much time for ours, but I, I think I had this conversation. We said before, but as we we need to finish, obviously, but. Of in terms of legacy style games, this one has been one of my favorites. Uh, I think partially just because there's a lot more storytelling involved, which keep, helps keeps it fresh. Yeah, and you're gonna have really weird moments because they don't always tell you everything. Because you mentioned the cult and the mother, for example, in my group too, and we had a vote about a topic, and I'm like, you know, I'm the rel- heavily religious person. I probably like this. And the next card was like, the cult of the mother doesn't like this. And I was like, you know, on second thought, this wasn't a good idea. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of that. There's a lot of like, you know, people like, oh, we should invest all our money to find more sources of money. And then when it doesn't work out, ah, oh, I, you know, I've been saying we've been spending too much lately. We really need to cut back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. what's also great about it is and this is not spoiling anything at all. At the end of the game, you're going to mark these white or black crowns and you have no idea what they mean. <laughs> so like right now we're like, man, you have a lot of those crowns. I'm like, yeah, don't know what that's going to turn out to be. <laughs> so you're not just like, Oh, Will's winning. Yeah. For all, you know, something that I signed can come to bite me in the butt. <laughs> yep, exactly. I am. I am leading in the, the crave, the black crowns right now. And I'm very excited or scared. Uh, I think you are Jonathan leading in that. I don't remember. It's been too long now, but because I'm pretty sure I, I have the white crowns. That's why I, I like somehow accidentally just got a bunch of those. 
<laughs> uh, I will say also we- games can end in like or a game, you know, in quotes. Sometimes they can end really fast. That king might not live long. <laughs> yeah, we also had a situation like that where uh, we just like looked around the table and we like knew it, that the king would die after like the first round, and we're like, "Ah, this round was a bust anyway." <laughs> yeah, you're you were like, it's not even because like you're like good. You're all just like, I don't think we could do anything about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's tough. It's not like real life. Uh, the King's Dilemma. Yeah, it's, it, we love it. We, we love it. Yeah, roll for crit. So I'm glad to hear that you're having a good time with it. And hopefully someday we can continue our game for like one of our, uh, group members, uh, hasn't gotten vaccinated for various reasons. So there's, they haven't, we're missing the one piece of our game night. Well, it's not just, I think it's, it's I mean, it is have, that. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, cause they have also have a kid. We don't need to get into it. I'm just, I'm just saying that is why we haven't been able to play. Well, I guess my point, that reason, even if they were vaccinated, that reason still overseas and they, wouldn't Oh, come. you're saying they, they would be too busy. Well, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I think we would have got him. They can get a babysitter like once or twice. I think, I think we could have made Soon. it work. I don't think they're at that age yet. I don't I mean, know. Maybe that's this, just me. I'm not a parent. You're right. I, I think you can, but I feel- yeah, nannies can take or babysitters or whoever can take care of very young kids or, yeah. or parents or something yeah. like that. I've been watching yeah. a lot of Downton Abbey. I'm pretty sure kids, you just throw them in the room and <laughs> they age. Oh yeah. Downton Abbey. They don't raise those kids at all. They don't even <laughs> know that. Downton Abbey where you should get all your parenting advice. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I haven't seen the show. So they turn uh, out to be Dukes and stuff. They're, they're doing great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know yeah. where this, I don't know how this conversation got here or why, uh, but let, let's uh, zigzag a little bit. Jules, what, what have you been playing lately? Uh, well, have been doing a lot of hair of the dog play testing, but um, one that uh, yeah. I've, I played for the first time recently that I enjoyed quite a bit was Decrypto. Um, it's been out for a little while, I think, but I hadn't played it yet. And, um, it's a, it's a group game. Uh, we played it after our fantasy football draft as a way to become friends again. And, um, yeah, it's, you break up into teams and each team has a little red reveal device. Um, so there's red film and you stick a card that has a pattern on it in the film. And then that lets you read the secret encoded word on it, um, which I love that sort of stuff. And uh, it was surprisingly tricky. It's got kind of a a codenames-esque sort of deduction thing going on. But you, uh, when it's your turn to give a clue, um, you're trying to give a clue that your team will understand as one of the words on your little chart. Um, But the other team can hear it too, and they're trying to guess as well. So you've got to give them a clue that they can figure out, but isn't so obvious that the other team can figure it out, which is a really interesting little middle ground. I'm not very good at it yet. It turns out, (laughs) but uh, yeah, it was, it was a really fun kind of casual group game. Yeah. I mean, you're, you, you're both, you're two for two so far. Usually I, uh, a guest will come on and it's like, Oh, I haven't even heard of this game. This is, but it's interesting to hear about it or we never played it. And so far it's just, Oh yes, these are games we know and love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Yes. For ones we can pretend like we are very skilled, knowledgeable. People who are <laughs> yeah. You're oh. making us look good. We if you ever want to feel, yeah. If you ever want to feel like you have no idea what's going on, go sell an RPG 
uh, at a convention and oh, you have everyone tell you about what your RPG vaguely reminds them of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Does this use the system from the turn of the bear or from 76 or whatever? I don't know. Yeah, no, it's, it's <laughs> like, oh, your game is just a combination of these three and I have to go, sure. <laughs> 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 yeah yeah but decrypt is a great one uh, a lot of good word games out there i i know that was on uh made your uh, top 10 party games well i think didn't it i yeah i have to double check that if it didn't it should have i really <laughs> like that game i think it it's one of those games i really love when they do it allow it allows the player to add some creativity of their own to there so it's not mm-hmm. simply just oh say what it is for abe lincoln like for like taboo or something, which it does a that one doesn't a decent job, but you can really do come up with some really clever clues. And when you come up with the perfect clue, it feels so good. Oh yeah! yeah. And then uh, of course, when you do do that and no one gets it, you are just miserable. That's what happens. Still to at me. that time, like I'm still still sad about it. Uh, the word was fortune cookie. My clue was in bed. I thought it was great. You add in bed to the end of every fortune cookie. No one got it. Devastated. Oh Devastated. My uh, yeah. By the way, we should great. mention, you know the answers as the team, and you're just trying to match them. Great. Yeah. So also, it's like, it was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jonathan had a great one. I think it was you, Jonathan, who had, like, you had the name Celebrities for Time. I think you put flavor flav and no one got it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was pretty mad about that. I was like, don't you guys with a big clock? Like nobody knew. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you haven't tried it, uh the expansion for Decrypto is really good. A laser disc or something like that. Uh mm-hmm. it's just adds a little twist. So like you'll get an extra point if your clues are movies or if your clues are adjectives mm-hmm. or something. Uh adds a little wrinkle to it. Uh, let's see. I don't, uh, why don't we, so Will and I had a whole little game night thing. Let's see. We don't need, I don't know how much we need to, we, you've talked about parks on the show before, so I don't know that we need to go too in depth on it, but I got to play parks for the first time. And it's this, uh, cute little game where you have hikers that you are moving, uh, across a path and you're trying to get resources to visit parks. You spend those resources to visit a park card and they're worth different points and most points at the end wins. And um, I don't know, was this, um, had you played it before with a player count of four? Not with four. Okay. So, so you, I, I assume for some reason, I my memory, was it just two player or did you play with? Yes. Okay. Just two. Okay. So that's probably a significant enough, a little bit of a difference or not. I don't know. Maybe not. You could tell me, but, uh, it, but it definitely is. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I, I enjoy, I enjoy my time. It's a very, I think we all remarked about parks that it is a very aesthetically pleasing game. I think a, a big part of the charm is the art and the, even just the pieces have this almost like home handcrafted, uh, wood feel to them. That's really charming. And it's a pretty good game too. Like it's a, I, I definitely enjoyed my time with it. Yeah. It's a um, beautiful game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, those. I don't know if they sell any of those cards as prints or anything, but they should. I I swear that they initially it was those were just postcards. Oh, oh, yeah. That was that part. Oh, you were saying that. Yeah, that that was like maybe yeah, maybe as part of the Kickstarter too. They had some of that stuff. But uh, so that's something. T-shirts. They need T-shirts for them. 
Um, maybe, I don't know. Will, I, I see there's a couple that you, you got the chance to try out that I didn't. You want to just run mm-hmm. through those? Sure, I'll start with there. Yeah. Uh, first one is Starlink from Blue Orange Games. And this was actually one they sent us a bunch of stuff. And this and this and this just been sitting on the shelf forever, but I finally got to take it out. You're welcome, Blue Orange <laughs> Games. <laughs> it, I'm sorry, this is just one of the ones that that we got to the other ones, or at least did better. The idea behind this is you are making constellations, and the way it works is you're going to draw a card that will have two words on there, like boot and dog, and you will choose one of them, and there'll be a sand timer. And you have to, using this big round board that has just a bunch of stars randomly scattered all over the place, draw lines to them. No no curving, so you have to like connect the dots to try to make a constellation. Uh, players can guess. They can't, they can guess, if they guess wrong, they can't guess until someone else has guessed wrong. So it's not as rapid fire as you're, you're used to maybe in other things. Timer runs out, the constellation's gone, no one gets points. If you guess it right, the the artist and the person who guessed it gets points based on the card. And if it's small enough in this little telescope thing, which made some constellations a little small, uh, you get an extra point. And it uses a white marker on this like dry erase board, which you get this cool constellation like map. Otherwise, uh, the pens did run out a little bit, but I think that's I want that's why I want to bring up initially that's been sitting on the shelf. Mm. And we also learned that apparently I'm just really good at constellations and should be making some of my own because I got like <laughs> a whole stack of cards, which is how you tally points compared to everyone else. Mm, quit bragging. Uh, but this is uh, so this is like a word game. It's, it's more like a drawing game. You're just guessing what they're trying to draw based on how they connect the dots. Huh. Okay. Interesting. It's, it's it's it sounds. It's not what I thought that game was. I guess I didn't know at all what it was. But I, it's it, the idea is like you're pretty much forced to draw. It's sort of abstract because you have to you have to use stars like dots. You can't just make a snake. You have to it. make a weird line. And sometimes they're everyone's off and going balloon kite. <laughs> like look, it's a okay. snake. I don't know what else to do to it. <laughs> I like the. I really like the idea of the as you you can't guess again until someone else guesses wrong so that eliminates like if one person is just you know more extroverted and they're just guessing 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 until they get it uh it gives everybody a chance that sounds kind of cool and uh the other one i got to play speaking of um biting me in the butt in terms of our earlier conversation about board game prices <laughs> favor the pharaoh is one of the first games we saw at at a Ever? gen con oh um, I remember, and we were like, oh, this looks interesting and fun. And we're like, the price, mm, I don't know, maybe. And then I saw it on sale recently. This for was very $26. So <laughs> yes. And I was like, all right, this is on a big sale discount. Now I'll buy it. <laughs> so, well, uh, there you have all it. my talk about, it's good to have fine, have these games expensive. Meanwhile, I'm waiting <laughs> over six years. We some. are hypocrites. <laughs> um, the idea behind this game, you're trying to get the Pharaoh's favor by pretty much building up your dice pool, which will eventually lead to a final rollout. I feel like it's like yacht, it's like the next step if you enjoy Yahtzee. You start off with rolling only three dice, and depending on what you roll, you can buy certain tiles that may either give you an extra die or a free re-roll or an extra one die, something like that. 
And the idea is you're trying to roll enough to you get, I think it's seven or more of a kind to get the queen tile, which triggers end game. Once someone buys that, each player gets one shot to try to roll a seven of a kind that's higher than whoever bought the queen or like an eight of a kind, a nine of a kind, a 10 of a kind. If they can't, they don't get the queen, the pharaoh tile, and whoever's holding the pharaoh at the end of one full round of that is the winner. So it's almost just who can build their engine fast enough to get the queen so the other people can't roll that. Got it. It's kind of like the queen's gambit. <laughs> uh, maybe? I don't, I don't just know. Just like every game. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like you played this. Multi- For some reason in my head, I, I'm thinking this has a solo mode or would make sense. I didn't remember seeing anything like oh, this. Then maybe I'm, maybe I'm misremembering how the game works, but I think we demoed it. So I, I we did at least play it. We did it. demo it. Yeah. Uh, it's from Bezier Games, if I think, right? Yes, it is. And it's old enough that's their old logo without the werewolf. Oh, man. Yeah, they redid that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, over, but, but you enjoyed it. It was worth the deep sale price. <laughs> I mean, worth the deep sale price, yes. Um, it feels very luck dependent and almost just feels like some people were mentioning, we need to play it more. Remember this first time that they felt like two people were like, man, I didn't buy that one tile like you guys did earlier and I was so far behind. Hmm. So I don't know if there is like a, you really need to buy this first kind of thing. And there are certain tiles that are limited. So not everyone can get. So, hmm. um, I, I, I need to play it more, I would say, but yeah, it, it, I mean, you're rolling dice. It's going to be extremely luck dependent. So <laughs> those dice, Hey, they're, they're in Starling, our logo. Yes. Yeah, Starlink. <laughs> on the other hand, I was really happy with outside. I need to buy some, Probably some new pens for that. <laughs> All right. So Starlink in favor of the Pharaoh. Uh, Jules or Alex, any any other things you've been playing lately you want to shout out? Oh, is this where we get a segue into Hair of the Dog talk? Oh, you if that's where if that's what you'd like, then I welcome it. <laughs> right. I do. I mean, we did uh, just last week. Uh, we we had a couple of people who just designers talking about playtesting their game. I do find it yeah. interesting to hear about publishers experiences with their own stuff okay sure yeah um yeah you ready for that jules sure okay um so yeah we've been playing a lot of hair of the dog sometimes of real dogs uh (laughs) the premise of the game is that you and your friends go to a dog friendly pub and you're competing to pet the most dogs uh now you run, you run around and pet these dogs. The more they get pet, the more like agitated they get, the less social they're feeling, and they get harder to pet. Uh, so you have to meet certain criteria before you can, the next person can touch them. Uh, and eventually they get fed up and leave, and their owner follows them out the bar. Uh, meanwhile, while you're doing this, uh, you're trying to be a good patron to the bar, and you have to have a drink in your hand at all times. Uh, and if you're ever caught by the wait staff without one, they passive-aggressively shame you. And you feel bad. And that's, neg- <laughs> that's negative points in the board game, but negative emotions in real life. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah. Um, no, we've been we've been trying to tweak it to to get this pl- the, our playtime under sixty minutes. That's our like our dream is that you know you can get it under sixty minutes, especially like you know if it's your first time with an eight player group. Maybe that's a, a pipe dream, but we're trying to streamline it um I think get it rid of some of like yeah i mean we had our we had our first eight player game which has been a nightmare to try to schedule for 
the obvious huh. reason. Um, Doing an eight-player playtest during times of COVID uh, was definitely a difficulty. I think designing the game overall was slower because of pandemic reasons. But yeah. How do you make that decision like uh, – because I, I feel like, you know, having with our impressions of, of the game, I feel like I would say like, oh, if this went to if this was a five to or six player game, maybe as the cap, I would be like, yeah, that like makes sense. So what is it that you're like, we we really want this to go all the way to eight or and like, is that is it super challenging to do it or did it does it actually for this game maybe just made sense? I think we just wanted it to accommodate that because that is a like for me at least at our at our game nights that we host uh that is a common player count is that like five to eight range it's kind of hard to hit um Mm. and in the spirit of it being lightweight like the lighter the game the more people you can have i would say like you know no one wants to play eight player suburbia or whatever um (laughs) or pick your favorite you know uh, when we were talking about Game of Thrones, that game supports up to like six players of the expansion, right? Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Oof. Um, so unless you <laughs> want to spend five hours playing, yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, other than that, it just, it, we were going to turn it down to six players if this didn't work, but it, it seemed to still be fine. Um, so there's no reason to like artificially limit it. I think at like more than eight, the table space becomes a serious issue and you like, it, it's a little bit more than like, hey, can you move my pawn for me? And more of like, I, I can't see what the heck is happening. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I hear sometimes that the limiting factor is just also you need to add that many components for each player. Uh, but I guess it's uh, a somewhat later game. And also it, do, it does thematically like you're at a bar. So you'd think there'd be a whole bunch of people hanging out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, when we first started working on the game, I, I remember us wanting, you know, we set up some kind of goals and, and hopes for how it would play. And um, one of them was, you know, that you could play with an odd number of people because that is a situation I find myself in a lot. And I don't want um, anyone to feel like a third or a fifth wheel, you know. And so that was something we were pretty mindful of when we were coming up with how the game functions. Um, and another one was, you know, uh, can we make it a big messy group game? So yeah, in this particular one, there aren't that many components that are like owned by the player itself. So uh, that also helps us really be kind of playing around with the player count a little bit more. Yeah, that makes sense. And you, you've been, have you mostly been playing and play testing with the tabletop simulator version? How, how often have you had the chance to do physical components? We've done more physical component ones. Um, okay. I, I appreciate that tabletop simulator exists and we've been able to do that. Uh, it is really hard to get timing feedback and a lot of like the more, like how do people use components? How, do, how does it flow? Just cause you're, you're fighting with the engine more than peace. Um, so we've done a lot of like four player tests basically is kind of where a lot of our ability has been. Um, you know, it's like my wife and I and another couple, that's an easy test. Um, <laughs> <definitely> <laughs> like, you know, 
cool. We know your vaccination records. We can just do that. Uh, or like loan it to a, to someone for a weekend and you know, have them play with their couple of friends. Um, that, that sort of thing. Uh, I don't know, Jules, do you, have you been doing more? Yeah. I mean, there's three people in my house. So we've done <laughs> a number of three player, uh, games over here, but yeah, it's, it's been definitely in that kind of three to five player for most of the play tests, but, um, yeah, we, that's largely because of lockdowns and vaccine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sort of and issue. you're still, you're, you're not tired of the game. You haven't played it too many times. <laughs> you're still, you're still excited to get to play it. Or do you ever feel like, uh, another one of these? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see after the end of this week, but yeah, so far, uh, I'm still pretty, pretty into it. So I think hopefully that speaks well. It's, you know, it's when you're this close to it, it's, it's hard to say what someone that is less biased and whose dog isn't actively represented in the game would feel about (laughs) it. But uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's got some good replayability, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, the only reason I would want to step back from playing it is just because I want to not be involved and I want to watch like, I was able to do that for the the eight player one, not be one oh, of wow. the eight. So that was that was nice. That was like here, here's the rules. Here's like the, the components. Do do the game, and yeah. see like how, uh, yeah, how you do. Um, so that's that's good. We're still we're still making a few tweaks. We're still trying to refine like like I said some of the core, like make it tight. Like what are what rules are people forgetting to do? Like you know, oh, you're forgetting to move the server. Like okay, how do we make that an easier like part of the flow? Um, so I think in the version you played, there were still two servers. Do we have the table numbers in your version? When you and I? Yeah, yeah, they are table numbers. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I think, I think that was the test where you're like, let's just get rid of those. Um, huh. So, you know, like m- trying to make that a little bit more easy and, and intuitive, especially for like the group of people playing at, at the bar. Like intoxication aside, just like you're at a, a kind of slightly too small table. It's loud. There's music. You can't, you know, have your nice like, you know, casual introduction where where your rules master explains everything and it's all very clear. It's just like you slap it down. You're like, okay, uh, got to be out of here in 45 minutes. So let's let's play this game. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, so uh, Will and I, we, we, as you said, we we've, we've got to play it uh, just once with the tabletop simulator and not a final version, but uh, we had a lot of fun with it and it's a great concept. And uh, by the end of the month is what you said. Yeah. Hoping to launch it. So yeah, that's the dream. We, we filmed our, our Kickstarter video this morning. Uh, so oh, yeah. Jules and I did the, like how to play. And then for the, the sizzle video, you know, the one that gets shared on the links. Uh, yeah. We tried to do like the in universe, like, you know, what is actually happening in the game. Uh, so we got, we took over a brewery, we filled it with dogs, uh, and hopefully it's adorable <laughs> and, it, and it triggers all the right endorphins when you see just cute dogs being pet. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, basically once that uh, comes back from the production company with some nice edits and stuff, we'll, yeah, we'll be ready. Uh, end of September is the goal, but I don't know. I, I'm hesitant to give a date on anything after you know 
Yeah. Uh, who knows? Life's That's a mystery. pretty fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we will, we will be here to shout it out, uh, at various places once it's, once it's live. Cause we're definitely looking forward to it. Sweet. Uh, hair of the dog hair of the dog so be on the lookout for that now i I, hopefully you will also just indulge us because there's a couple more games that i i really want to talk about please do that we played this last weekend so the first one is quest and i quest is from the same don eskridge the guy who designed the resistance and the resistance Avalon. And this is not called the resistance, but it's essentially the resistance colon quest. It feels very much like the way Avalon was kind of like a second edition of the resistance. This feels like the third edition to me. It's uh, it's, it's very close to the gameplay of that. If you're not familiar, there are two teams, essentially good guys and bad guys. It has a King Arthur Camelot theme. And, uh, it's like werewolf or mafia or any of these social deduction games. You are trying to go on missions and uh, someone selects a team and all the members of that team choose secretly if the, if it's going to succeed or fail. And if you're a bad person, you want it to fail. If you're a good person, you want it to succeed. And you're trying to deduce as the game goes on, who put in the negative cards that failed the mission and the, um, the this new game quest, the the big changes to it really are first of all in Avalon, you every single turn the person would pick a group and then everybody voted on whether or not they liked the group, and if the votes didn't go through, the next person gets to pick a group, and you might go through like that six or seven times. Uh, in this game, somebody picks the group and you go. There's no voting. They picked them. And then they also pick who the next leader is. So uh, no one can be the leader more than once. Uh, so you can't just like, if you figured out who the good guys are, you can't just lock in the good guys back and forth. But there's a lot less uh, in the middle mucking about with with voting and such. And then, of course, there's all new roles in this one. Uh, some of them are definitely similar to ones from earlier versions of the resistance, but there's uh, plenty that are, have their own kind of unique hooks and twists to them. And we had played this game a, a little while ago with four players, mostly out of curiosity because original resistance, you need at least five. And I was just like, how does this work with four players? And I think we found it's like, Oh, it, it kind of works. Like it, it works, but it's still for these types of games. You really want a bigger group. And finally, we got to play it this weekend with seven. And I, as a, I'm a resistance is one of my favorite games. This is my favorite genre of game, really. Uh, and I really, really liked Quest to the point where I, you know, the the version I backed on Kickstarter, it came with a new art edition of Avalon. So I actually have both games in this one box. And I don't really feel like, I mean, the Avalon has some different modules and things that aren't in this one, but for the most part, it just kind of seems like a replacement to me. I think maybe it's just because it's new and maybe that'll wear off. Uh, but I feel like I would right now rather play Quest than the Resistance. Uh, but uh, Will, I know you, these are not your favorite kinds of games, but sometimes yes, you get I'm enjoyment the out of them, end. but you have um, enjoyed the resistance in the past. It's not like you've never had fun with it, right? <laughs> I, yeah. I've had some fun moments and stuff. Um, <laughs> All right, I definitely think I do it. things better. Like you said, because I feel half the time it just becomes everyone's failing those parties. Right. The, because so it feels like cuts down on that way. Um, 
But other than that, I mean, it really does feel like the res- it's not like a full spin off of the resist. Like it's a completely different game. It it shares a lot of the DNA for sure, for sure. Um, which I guess I, I don't know. For me, I mean, that's it's interesting, but I don't I, I don't mind it. Like I I mean, this as you said, this these kinds of games are your your favorite. So I think your opinion on that is much more important than, well, uh, than well, mine. Maybe. I don't know about important, but, uh, uh, you know, you can take from it what you will. But I mean, I was, the hardest part for me with these games is, as we've talked about before, you need a bigger group for it. And if if anyone at the table is not really fully into it, it doesn't really work. And I don't want to force people to play a game, but, you know, we played a couple rounds and I was like, let's go a few more times. You know, I want to like get, I want to get all the juice out of this. I want to try different roles. I want to get the metas going and it's everybody wasn't feeling that way. <laughs> so. well, well, it's more, well, no, I think I want to, <laughs> sure. this is my fault. I, I'm not, I don't think it's you either. I, I just think no for this particular moment, because we were playing it late. Um, and I just know the general energy of our group. It was like, we were like one game until everyone's like, <laughs> Done. Yeah, that's fair. So I was like, I wanted to try to get one more game in. <laughs> so that was less. That wasn't even like because of like my thoughts. Like, oh, I don't. I'm not a big, as big of an interest. That was literally just me being like, I only think we got one more game in. I gotta get this. <laughs> so and and our group is also very indecisive. So if one person actually just says, "Let's do this," they'll follow. <laughs> yeah. No one wants to be leader. <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of psychological issues. Uh, uh, Alex or Jules, <laughs> are you are you guys social deduction fans or resistance fans? Um, I am. I I like One Night Ultimate Werewolf. That's my social deduction mm-hmm. game of choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm curious. It, after playing that, like if someone already owns resistance Avalon, would you recommend they get quest or is it like, I think if, if you have played Avalon um, like a hundred times, then I would say yes, because I feel like the better, you know, Avalon, the more likely you will find the, like the subtleties and the nuances that are different and going to be interesting to you about this new version. Mm-hmm. If, if it's like a choice between the two, it's almost just, just buy one of them. <laughs> like you're going to, I think get roughly the same experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but okay. yeah, I, I, th- I think there are intricacies and differences that I, that I, I think are interesting, but I mean, that's also coming as someone who, you know, I like to buy a lot of board games. If it's more, if you're like, you're on a budget, you only buy so many games or you only have so much shelf space. You don't need both of these on your shelf probably. Um, okay. But that's, yeah, but that's fair. I was just curious. I mean, like I've had good times with resistance and Avalon. And I've also had horrible times with the wrong group or like yeah. you have someone who just for no reason decides they need to sabotage the quest, even though they're good. And then, <laughs> and then like nothing makes sense and everyone's mad. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. We've had some issues like that before. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so that so then the un, the one other game that we did that we made time for that we cut it off for was this one called Million Dollar Script, and this is a new one from Portal Games, a party game uh, where one player, in this case, it was Will, was the movie exec, and the rest of us split up into two teams and were competing to pitch a, our movie to him. And each round, there's something we need to come up with. It's like a new character or it's like the next stage of the plot. And we get a minute to confer with our group and then we pitch it publicly. 
And it really is like a who's line improv game where one person on the team is supposed to kind of give the pitch. Someone else yells out lines of dialogue. Someone else does the narration or sound effects. Uh, So a very goofy kind of loosey goosey rules game. I also feel like it's very, it feels like portal games trying to do check games to me. (laughs) If that, that feels like such a, if someone's like not a board game person, that's nonsense. Um, But like even the, you know, check games is a lot of these kind of smaller party games, even the look of the box. I feel like this, I would have thought this was a check games title. If I saw it on a shelf, it's definitely, um, I think very different from their usual wheelhouse, right? Portal. And not this is the kind of game party stuff. Yeah. They can go really, you know, just off the tracks weird. And to prove it, Jonathan, can you sum up the plot of our movie? Oh, I definitely can't. <laughs> I really don't want to. <laughs> um, so that's what I'll just say. The thing that I struggled with the most in this game, per, first of all, I think this game is so group dependent. You got to, even though there's some roles like the sound effects where you don't need to be as out there, you need people who are willing to improvise and be silly and, you know, not be afraid to just yell stuff out if they have to. Um, uh, my biggest str- struggle as a team member was if I, the other team's pitch was chosen for that round, that means that everything that my team just spent six minutes thinking about is no longer part of the movie. And I had so much trouble remembering which parts well, were in it or not. <laughs> that, well, that actually goes back to the group dependent because the two groups we had, we had your group, which included someone who's very analytical and serious and two people who are like big movie buffs and uh, not to uh, the other group pretty much are like <laughs> energy drinks incarnate. <laughs> and like you're Freaks. to tell me like you're to be this little funny, so maybe something, something, ha ha. And then there's to be like, all right, picture this. <laughs> You're like a kaiju on drugs on a roller coaster. <laughs> like uh, they were, they they were up at eleven for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so like when yours doesn't get picked, you unironically are like, okay, so what actually? Yeah, I literally was like, right I didn't understand what you just said. I need, and then and then I would get another two minute spiel. I'm like, no, 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 no. That did not make it easier. <laughs> Um, but I wasn't, you are the guy, your job is to listen to both sides. So did you find that difficult to keep it straight? Well, the first, not too hard because I'm used to that 11 energy. So I know how to deal with it. Uh, but the bigger challenge was you're given a card and you're like, this is what you like. So I'm like, okay, surely they'll say things now has how I'll pick them. And for the first half, neither of you guys were saying things I, my character was interested in. Right. You're supposed so to, it's not necessarily just your opinions. It's like you have a card. It's like you really like underwater scenes or whatever. Yeah. That was like, I liked pretty much dark movies, anti-establishment underwater. And none of you guys were close to that until you finally said like, all right, this person's fishing. And in my head, I'm like, finally. <laughs> and then when I chose yours, the other group was like, ours was so much better. And I want to be like... <laughs> Well, they said water stuff. (laughs) Yeah, and it's interesting. I do think the game is very upfront about the fact that you can use that card as much or as little as you really want to. I I found it interesting that you get points in this game, 
but there's no score pad and there's no point tokens. We actually subbed in some point tokens, but I think that was a deliberate choice on their part to try to get you to not think about the gamier parts of this that much. I really do think this is, it feels like a Jackbox party pack game is what it really feels like. It's, it's that kind of just very silly thing, you know? Um, but, uh, I, yeah, so I, some aspects of this frustrated me, I think maybe partially group dependent, but I do think it's a fun kind of idea. Uh, million dollar script, uh, is that one. And I, I definitely would like to try it again and see how it goes with different cards and different people and what it's like. Well, I, I, if, if it were it again, I would also make sure like, all right, we're splitting you two up. We're trying to get like, <laughs> yeah, I just kind of did it haphazardly. <laughs> Uh, well, because I didn't, even I didn't think that would matter too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Interesting. Alex and Jules, would you guys like to participate in a board game game? Sure. Sure. Yeah, you would. You would. Uh, that's right. You're going to participate in a board game game. To close out our show today, uh, this week's board game game because, of course, you're working on this hair of the dog, all about dogs at a pub, I thought it was appropriate to bring back CCG, which, of course, on our show stands for Cocktail Crafting Game. <laughs> and uh, what we're going to do is, as a group, uh, we can discuss or people can come up with their own ideas. We're going to try to figure out to make a new drink that is appropriate to pair with a game. I thought... I thought maybe this this week, since it came up a little bit in the news, we could go old school and try to come up with a drink that would would make sense to pair with chess, uh, a, a cocktail of some kind that we could that we could drink alongside chess. But I also want to um, want to get both of your takes on uh, maybe some cherry picked games uh, <laughs> drinks that might work well uh in in, in uh, pairing with those so i've got actually i'm going to post it in the chat i've got a uh in the chat i mean in the there's uh, a chat google doc excuse me <laughs> i got, I got really scared slash excited. <laughs> <laughs> actually there's a there's a chat over here uh but it doesn't we don't use it um oh. uh, this is a, a list of the hundred most frequently used cocktail ingredients if you need a little help to jog your memory but any any anyone want to throw anything out there? What might go in a drink that you have while you're playing a game of chess? Could be Queen's Gambit inspired, or how about a Queen's I mean, Gimlet? Huh? Oh my God! Coming oh. out strong with the name and everything. I win. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> well, what's what's what makes the Queen's Gimlet? Different from a regular Gimlet. That's you know, uh, it's, it's got to have something special. Royal liquor. <laughs> I didn't get that far. Uh, uh, there is there is a brand of gin called Empress Gin that you could there use. There we go. Yep. Teamwork. Uh, yeah. Uh, and Empress Gin is actually super cool because they use a, a – uh, it's made in, in British Columbia. They use a butterfly pea flower uh, as part of the seasoning ingredient, uh, and it makes it purple uh, or blue makes it blue but when you add acid like in a lime like for a gimlet it turns bright neon purple uh, so it's a cool party trick uh that is not chess colored but dope <laughs> if we're going queen's gambit i feel like you need a well if that was the the pitch then you're probably doing a drug thing like we said before but but uh yeah 
I was like, make that, make it red, like like Anya Taylor Joy's fiery red hair. <laughs> anyway, my first thought with with the chest thing was uh, uh, like something, one of those wood tasting drinks, <laughs> like a like an old classic just wooden chessboard. Yeah, like a, a real Don Draper kind of a drink. Mm-hmm. Um, see, I went to the the cookie world. So it's a checkerboard cookie that looks oh. like a chessboard. Um, and you could you could have one of those like as a garnish, and you could have a sweeter dessert drink. Uh, do something like brandy and Kahlua, uh, and like froth it up with like an egg white or something. Shake that, uh, and then lay on white chocolate liqueur to make like the pattern uh, on top. Wow. Yeah. Yes, I just feel so bad. This just once again showing my such little knowledge about drinks. <laughs> I have very little knowledge. I'm uh, we're, we are relying on our guests to do the heavy lifting here. The best I came up with was wood flavored. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but puns are, are always good too. And I like, uh, you know, this is making me think of, uh, you know, Lorna dunes, or they sometimes are known as chessmen. Those, those cookies. You can, oh, yeah. little, uh, Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a, a garnish on the side or something. <laughs> uh, you don't have to have anything, Will. Feel free to. <laughs> I oh God, I don't know even how I beat any of this. Um, <laughs> the only way I can even think is if you were actually of experienced. Oh, I have a very grumpy dog at the door. Uh oh, sp- um, hair of the dog. But like finding a way, like when they do those, like. Uh, layering the drink somehow, like with a, mm-hmm. I guess a coffee liquor and something, like milk or something, so it doesn't mix too much at first. Oh, so, it's still- so you have like the like like the black and white pieces, or like or yeah. like the brown and cream or whatever it is of a chessboard. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty good. I like that. I'm yeah. just trying to now go through like every chess piece and feel like there's a pun for it. You have a drink for every different piece on the table. <laughs> All right. New idea. You're actually playing. You have. Oh, to, if you capture a piece, that person every, has to drink their own every piece. piece is a different is a shot glass with a different thing in it. You see who doesn't die at the end. From alcohol <laughs> yeah. The pawns have to be like PBR or something. Otherwise, it's like- <laughs> yeah. They might just be maybe water is the safer option mm-hmm. for pawns. Yeah. Snacks. I don't- maybe the pawns are snacks. Mm. I don't know. As as a person who played whiskey pong in college, like, oh. you know, I, I went to a, I went to a real school. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I yeah, I think I, the shots. Then you have to think of a pun for each of them, or you have to like assign some sort of value <laughs> to the chess pieces and and to the liquor, uh, and then you get in debates about like <laughs> why is why is tequila the rook? Is that why isn't it better? <laughs> I'm I, I'm into I'm I'm ready for this discussion. I'm, I'm I want to play this version of chess. I, I'm I'm very pleased with the everything we all put forth tonight. Have, uh, have, so yeah, have you heard of drinking risk? Like, so obviously you can make any game into a drinking game, but uh, my favorite version of this is in Risk. You could just take a shot to add ten more troops anywhere to the board. Uh, and <laughs> wow oh man think, you do that in risk legacy then you're really oh, cooking oh yeah uh, i think you could do something like that with chess you could like you know, resurrect your pieces or uh i mean if they are strong enough that like your opponent taking them is a problem you know that's that's another level of strategy wow wow this is good this is good all right so we've got we've got all these amazing ideas for for chess games i gotta know what's what's a drink for hair of the dog <laughs> 
or, uh-huh. or I think, I mean, you got it. You should have like for just for cherry pick games in general, there's got to be something with a cherry in it also. Mm. It's an old fashioned. Uh, there's lots of cherry tricks. Yeah. I mean, I've got, I feel like I've made this at different points. Um, I never <laughs> settled on a recipe. Um, I mean, the, the hair of the dog one, I think you have to lean into the name and, and what it, you know, will hair of the dog cure for your hangover. Uh, and so go the road of a, of a prairie oyster, um, which I thought uh, hair of the dog was the idea is you have more liquor to cure your exactly exactly. Mm-hmm. So a, a prairie oyster is uh, traditionally like a raw egg with a shot of gin poured over it, and then like salt, pepper, and Worcestershire. Some wake up right. juice, as they say yeah, you... in uh, Back to the Future. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, that sounds much better than my my terrible idea was just whatever le- leftover liquor you have, you quickly pour in a bottle, shake it up, and drink. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't a Bloody Mary a pretty common uh, day after? Yeah, Bloody Mary. Mm-hmm. That's what it was designed for, uh, and it has like snacks on it, which is the best Bloody Mary. Uh, <laughs> right. Although I will, I will I just get the snack cheeseburger yeah. in there. Oof. Uh, I will push. I'm pretty sure I've actually seen that. Oh, Jonathan. Yeah. I'm yeah, like no, a, they, blood, a giant bloody man. They've done that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I will push micheladas. I think that is uh, an mm. easier morning version. Uh, basically michelada is like a light beer with uh, the, the clamato and spicy stuff poured into it. All right. So, well, this is, this is why I turned, I knew you would have good stuff with, you know, hair of the dog and also drink. There's a, there's a good, you got a good history here or maybe a problem. I don't know. It's up to you to decide. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, but uh, that's the end of our board game game, the cocktail crafting game. Uh, if uh, anyone listening has suggestions that they want to add, or if you just want to send us a question or a comment, something we can read on the show, you can send that to us uh, at meeplegallery at gmail.com. Join our meeple gallery. But that's the end. And Alex and Jules, you guys, you earned a whole bunch of experience points from this long journey we've been on together. You get Finally. to spend those points right now on plugging all your stuff. Tell the listeners where and how they can follow you, everything you got coming out and going on. All right. Uh, go follow, go to cherrypickgames.com. Uh, follow us there, uh, all our social media. We have uh, our Twitter, Cherry Picked Games, uh, Instagram same name uh go follow us there we'll be making an announcement about the hair of the dog kickstarter soon uh for now tune in and see a bunch of cute dog and behind the scene videos um and also if you have a dog that you love and want to prove that you love it uh we'll have an option <laughs> for you to add it to the game uh and that's the only way the dog will know uh and it will <laughs> yeah 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 i think the best way if you want to stay uh in the know for what's going on is join our newsletter mm-hmm. that that we do. It doesn't come out all that often. So it's a nice one where you can forget about it in between and then be like, Oh, what are they up to? So uh, I don't like a lot of newsletters because they send out too many emails. So I think this one's just right. Yeah. We only send out a, a news letter mail when there's news, uh, <laughs> there's a new game or something exciting like that. So I tune in and then, I don't think anyone wants awesome. to follow our personal lives. So, you know, yeah, it's not nearly <laughs> hey, as interesting. You can, 
<laughs> you can plug those too. It's 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 all on you, but we will have links in the show notes to all, everything that you mentioned so people can follow all of your stuff and do so. We we heartily recommend it. Uh some great games from from both from both of you at, at Cherry Picked. We're we're fans. Uh Thank you and so much. uh Yes, and if any listeners want more of just uh, Roll for Crit stuff, you can go to RollForCrit.com. Here are our, uh, our uh, podcasts there as well. You can get our YouTube videos, our Twitch streams. We've got merch. You can also, if you really like us, support us on Patreon. If you do that, we get an extra bonus episode every single week, more of our audio mm-hmm. content and our Discord channel. Uh, or if you just don't want to spend money but you still like us, you can rate and review us on iTunes. And we also really, really, really 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 like that and uh that's uh that's it that's the end of this episode so once again thanks to both you jules and alex for joining us uh, and for committing to this uh whole episode uh it was really fun talking to you about all these different topics uh some some more fun than others but it was always a a good conversation thanks for having us it was important stuff to talk about yep yeah for sure uh and that's gonna do it my name is jonathan I'm Will. And this was Roll for Crit. Bye. See ya.